0: Welcome to the OKC First podcast.
1: Together, we're learning to do three things.
0: Friendship with God.
1: Friendship with one another.
0: And open friendship for the sake of the world.
1: For more information about OKC First,
0: please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes
2: from John chapter four verses five through 26. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired out by his journey was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drink from it? Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know, We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Eliza, great job reading. Where'd you go? Oh, Hermione Granger, couldn't have done it better. Great job reading scripture. My goodness. And with the junior leader myself, there's nothing quite like being led in worship by your own child. So thank you for Lisa and Tamara for working together and allowing this to be a place where that can happen. And in a few moments, we're going to have Eucharist. And the preacher's probably going to talk longer than he wants. Uh... But we're going to be led in Eucharist by our kids um, and some of their guardians or parents. So they're so very special. Well, my name is Jason Smith. I'm the associate pastor here at OKC First Church of the Nazarene. And I'm so glad I get to be one of your pastors. Pastor John Middenorf is out of town this week, and he's been leading us through this sermon series, Jesus the Truth. Now, when it's Spring Forward Sunday, on the first Sunday of spring break, the preacher kind of gets to do whatever he wants, though, Right? Uh, and I want to say thank you for being here. And I've got to say, before we get to our text, and I promise you, for those of you who are, are my non sports fans, we will tie this into Jesus. <laughs> and most of you know I try to tie everything into Jesus, right? Always on the lookout for where the Spirit might lead. But I've got to say, I love basketball. I love basketball. And if there's ever going to be a sermon that's basketball-focused, it should be this Sunday. The Thunder are playing better than they have in years, and the potential is just so exciting for the future. Who's excited for both Jalen Williams? I mean, my goodness. I didn't get J-Dub. I just can't get enough. I just, the way he plays, he should have been the number one pick, and we got the number two just getting healthy. Can't wait for Chad. Southern Nazarene University the men's and women's basketball teams both made the national tournament. Incredible. Incredible. The men last night won their game in the first round and played tonight for a chance to go to the Sweet 16. They're playing in Northwest Missouri. They're playing the number one seed at their place, two-time defending national champions. And I know some of you SNU basketball fans, you think it's upset night. It's upset night tonight for SNU Crimson Storm. And then you've got March Madness. I mean, I've been watching... My, my family, there is from Thanksgiving until the end of the NBA finals, there is a basketball game on TV at my house. That's, we don't, I say, we don't watch TV, we don't watch shows, we don't watch things like, but there's always a basketball game. And yes, we do watch TV, it's just a basketball game. And those brackets are going to come out, and we're going to be leaning into March Madness. And so some of you think that's somewhat of a national holiday, and I think so too. And so, but we're here not to talk about that. We're here to talk about High school state tournament basketball. Oh, I got a couple of whistles, and I'm excited. See, in 2008, I became just so into Oklahoma high school basketball. There were two players, Rodney Clark and Keaton Page. And I know there are people who are watching online, and I know that because they're sick, I know that there are people who are here, but, but man, my OSU fans, Keaton Page. Does it get better than Keaton Page? And I walked into the big house, which is the Jim Nornick uh, arena down at the state fairgrounds. They call it the big house, where they play all the state final games forever. I walked into that gym not knowing anything about it. And I walked in and I sat next to this old couple for the OCS Pawnee final on championship Saturday. And this kid, this kid, look, just a little kid, right, from Pawnee. He goes for 54 points in the state title game. His team scores over 90 points, and I am hooked on Oklahoma high school basketball at the state tournament. For those of you who don't know, in high school, there are only eight minute quarters. That's 32 minutes of actual basketball playing time, and this kid scored 54 in the state title game. Uh, Rodney holds the record for most points scored in a game at 60 and the, at, the, at the men's level. And don't get me started on the six-on-six six women's records. We don't have time for that conversation. Ask me about it later. I, and so I just, I just fell in love with high school basketball. And then there was a moment when my fantasy football team, there was this guy named Shane Cowherd, joined the fantasy football team, owner of the Russell, Russell Sweat Sox. And I, I became a fan of the Edmund Memorial Bulldogs. I mean, Coach has his Bulldogs... Jacket on, and I I decided to go to most of those games. And so, Tuesday nights and Friday nights, the Smiths during high school basketball season, you're going to find us in gyms, but Shane's gym is the gym I like to most go to watch your team. I love your team, coach. The way you coach, the way you develop players, coaches matter. Coaches matter. And what you've done to develop kids is incredible. So, I've been at all of the state championship games in person that Shane has been to, but there was one in particular game, 2013. It was at ORU, and there's this very special player named Jordan Woodard. I had to talk myself into not showing you all of these clips, and it'd just be a Sports Center highlight show. I watched this over a dozen times this week when your senior tipped that ball in, saved, jumped out of bounds, saved the ball, threw it back in, got it, tipped it in, and you won by a point. And this is my favorite picture of basketball. This is the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Coach, Midwest City had it won. And somehow, Jordan Woodard, your kid who you watched grow up, had that moment. I love this photo. Love it. So then our, 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 our pastor he has a son named Drew, goes to crossings, he doesn't have the opportunity in 2020 due to COVID to even play in the state tournament. It was, just, it was just wiped out. But the next year, 2021, Drew in the crossings tournament, get to the big house. That night, it's the 3A final. And it's a, it's a tie game. And somehow crossings, Cal Furnish, some of you have followed Cal. Um, uh, in, it, right, right, Kurt? In the, he dribbles to the center, puts up a shot, makes it. Drew, state champion. Our pastor's son is a state basketball champion. That is a rare thing to be a state champion. And then yesterday, yesterday, Bethany High School girls have never been to the state tournament. I don't know when they started or when Bethany started having a girls basketball team, but zero appearances in the entire state tournament. And yesterday... At the 1.30 game in the afternoon, that ball tips off, and Bethany gets out to a quick, quick lead. And, and guess what? At the end of the game, they were crowned state champions. Okay, come on, my picture, come up, come up. <laughs> we, ah, 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 you're state champion. So po- I need to point it at my computer. Thank you, Tamara. Ava... <laughs> Can you stand up and can we give you a round of applause with that state champion medal around your neck? (laughs) I I didn't ask Ava's permission, but I asked her folks. (laughs) So proud of you. I mean, and it's so fun to watch your family and your Bethany family surround you. I mean, I look out there and I saw so many of you at that game and people who saw me at that game. And you played great. And congratulations for being a state champion. I mean, that is just, it's an incredible, incredible thing. Uh, and I just, lo- I just love high school basketball. Uh, but Berkeley asked if there was gonna be a wardrobe change, uh, and, there, and there is. Uh, just, just quickly though, I'm gonna put my jacket on in a second. So the reason I love high school basketball, my f- mom and dad are living here now, and they didn't feel well this morning, they're watching online. But that picture right there is of me, uh, as a ball boy. Now, <laughs> do you see that little kid who's trying to, trying to work his way into that, uh, into that huddle? <laughs> That's me. That's me right there. My dad and Mark Cornwell were the head coaches of the Ontario High School basketball team. And I was the ball boy. And so this is my letter jacket. I did not letter in basketball, I lettered in golf. Uh, and there's my Tigers on the back. I do have my state championship medal right there when we won golf my, my junior year. But I grew up not loving golf, loving basketball. And my dad and Mark qualified to go to state. I remember twice, and I need, should have, I've been watching basketball with my dad all week, the last two weeks we've been watching basketball. But what I remember is this little town of Ontario, Oregon, making the state tournament. Now, the state tournament was in Eugene on the home of the University of Oregon Ducks played at Matt Court. Nothing got better than going to Matt Court. We would, the whole town, when we made it to state, the whole town, we, you cannot get further from Eugene, Oregon than Ontario, Oregon. I, where I grew up, we grew up on the Snake River, the river that divided Oregon and Idaho. And so as far away as you can get, we would get in our cars and vans and buses, and we would drive from Ontario all the way to the big city of Portland and Eugene. And being on that court is some of the greatest memories of my whole life. And some of you who know how much I like to do laundry will love this photo because it's the only other one I could find of me being a ball boy. I'm folding the laundry of the players uh, after, they, uh, after they took off their warm-ups, and somebody said that might look like Berkeley Smith a little bit uh, if Berkeley were to put glasses on. I love, I love, I love high school state basketball. But there's something you need to know about Ontario. So, look at this beautiful jacket. I mean, cardinal and corn, just gorgeous. And we had a rival that was the just the town over called Vale, Oregon. Ugh. I kind of throw up on my mouth a little bit when I hear the word Vale, Oregon. Just disgusting, black and white, just people from the country. I mean, those people in Vail? I mean, can you imagine living in Vail, Oregon? Ugh. Like, there, sure, there was a church of the Nazarene, but I would not be associated with anybody else from that youth group if they went to Vail, Oregon, because they were black and white, and those people were from Vale. Those people were from Vale. They were terrible, shabby clothes. Just from the country folk. Says the person who grew up in a town of about 8,000. Uh, I had no respect for the people of Vale, And the kind of chants that we would say in high school, I would be embarrassed to have my children hear them today. If you were to hear the kind of boos that we would rain upon the people from just down the street. We hated Vail, because they were from Vail, and we were from Ontario. And there's just something about being from Ontario. I mean, the way that we look, the way that we play, the discipline that we have, was just so much better than those people from Vail. And that's what you get at the big house. I'm looking at Tiffany Doris a little bit more than I usually do on my Sunday mornings when I may preach, because you're from Fairview. I want you to think of your rival, Okay. Oh, um, Tiff just, I mean, Teresa just lit up. Uh, Who was it? Who was it, Tiff? Alva. Oh, the gold bugs of Alva? Come on. Who wants to go to Alva? So I want you all to think about your veil. I want you to think about your Alva. I want you to think about the rivals in your life. The people that are just, you just other like nobody can other. The rivals, I don't know who the Piedmont rival for. Oh, you know what? Piedmont cross country? This is not in my script. That team brought that kid in late. Shouldn't even have been qualified for state. And then you lost by state by three points. I, know you're th- I don't know what that school is. I'm not going to say it because I'm already in trouble enough because the Vail Church of the Nazarene is not going to want this to be published. <laughs> you know who you're thinking about though right now, don't you? you? I think a lot of you have rivals. Now it can be in sports, but it can be in music, that first chair. It can be in musicals. It can be in any sport that you want. I have right here, I'm just Laura Hardy saying, the Yankees, the Yankees, just, can you just, as a Red Sox fan, can't you just have that little bit of disgust, almost like a, just like a gag reflux of like, really, the Yankees? I just, I mean, as a Red Sox fan, you can get, so they're All of you. So there are rivals, not just in sports, though. There's rivals in business. There's rivals at work. Some of you have rivals that they don't even know that you're their rival. I say that because I I didn't see Lori Felder this morning. uh, Lori and Amy are my, I mean, just such fun friends of mine at Sunday school class. And we've talked over the years about sometimes that they would have like, A rival that they didn't know that they were the rival, that we were gonna get we're gonna beat them out of the parking lot. Or we're gonna stay later than them and make sure that they they are the last one to leave. You all we all have rivals. We all have people that we just aren't quite willing to pray for when I on those Sundays say, Can we pray for our enemy, our opposite, and our irritant? You aren't thinking of these people because you can't even think about praying for them. Right? So we all have rivals. And this passage today is so interesting because I think that we culturally find ways to create boundaries and borders. And it's not new. Jesus talks to this woman at the well, and Samaritans. We're like people from veil. Vale. Samaritans not only were the wrong type of person ethnically, they also worshipped wrongly. They did faith wrong. And so Jesus, when He's going to Sychar, He says He goes through Samaria, but He didn't need to go through Samaria. No good Jew went through Samaria. They found their way around Samaria because Those were those people, an us-versus-them mentality. The Samaritans were them, and good Hebrews were us. And so Jesus enters into this conversation with the woman at the well, and let me read this, just a couple verses. This is John 4, verse 9. The Samaritan woman, unnamed, by the way, because I even think the writers of the Gospels had a hard time coming to grips that the Samaritans could be included in the love of Jesus. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Listen to this line. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. What an incredible line. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Isn't that amazing? These are both humans. They live in the same part of the world. They have the same ancestor, Jacob. They're drawing water from the same well. Jesus knows this Jacob. And yet you've got this line. The writer of the Gospels is saying, "Ah, we have nothing in common with them. And yet they have everything in common. When I grew up, with the Ontario Tigers, I had nothing in common with anybody from Vail. And if I were to bring someone from Vail and put them next to me on this platform now in Oklahoma, you would say, you are exactly the same. <laughs> you grew up 20 minutes apart. Your economy was exactly the same. Your high schools looked the same. You had the same classes. You look the same, but yet, no, we, we have nothing in common with someone from VL and I want you to think about the people that are your rivals the people that you say when you see them on the news, at work at school when you say the phrase I have nothing in common with them isn't that interesting so let's keep going If you would like to hear more about this, and if you are new to OKC First Church, there's five or six books that Pastor John have been talking about that are just like, these are the books that kind of help explain who we are. And Pastor John uses Richard Beck quite a bit. He's an incredible thinker uh, out of Texas, and he wrote this book called Unclean, and this is one of the most incredible books on holiness or sanctification that you can read in light of the Church of the Nazarene. Oh, there's Ron. You're sitting a few rows back. Hello right isn't was doesn't he what he does in this book allows us to understand that when people are so different than us when we can other them and teach them to be unclean we understand we have nothing in common with them but what beck does in this book is he helps us move beyond that gag reflex because when people are different than you you think them disgusting And when you can other someone and put them in a completely other category because they are disgusting, then you don't have to treat them as even human. Surely not even enemy or friend. So even when I get a chance to say, let's pray for enemies or opposites or irritants, you sometimes may not think of those people because they aren't even in your mind. And yet Jesus comes to the Samaritan woman And she has an encounter with Jesus. This interaction is so incredible. She is stunned. His disciples in the next verse say are astonished that he is talking to this woman. Jesus erases all of these borders and all of these boundaries... He moves across them. He is not afraid of her uncleanness, but in his holiness, he comes to her that she may be impacted by his love. And that's the change that happens in the person of Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus, rather than being scared of uncleanness, Jesus believes that love and friendship and relationship can cross all boundaries and borders. And where we make, where we make borders and boundaries, Jesus erases borders and he creates tables. And he creates table fellowship for both food and drink for those that they never would have considered to have table fellowship with. And so what Jesus does in this encounter is that he sees Everything that she has done and everything that she is, her ethnicity and even the ways that she worships, which according to the Jews are all wrong, categorically wrong. They have been discriminated against for thousands of years. And it is even said that sometimes when a Jew would walk across the shadow of a Samaritan, they would spit in the ground in disgust. And yet Jesus sees this woman and he comes to her in tenderness and love and relationship and pain and hurt. See, this woman who was at the well in the afternoon probably shouldn't be there in the afternoon. If everything was okay with her life, she would have been there in the morning with the other women. But she's there alone in the afternoon. So something has happened. Either is her own shame or the discrimination placed against her of her own people. Her own people may have othered her in such ways that she's not welcome at the well in the morning. She's not supposed to be there. But Jesus is. he finds her he looks her in the eye he tells her the truth and he brings her along and he sees a woman who is full of being discriminated against and full of pain and he brings her into relationship with him he knows everything about her and he still loves her we're going to get to this when it comes to the Eucharist but especially on Kids Sunday and I say that because I want the adults to hear Jesus knows everything about you And he still loves you. Jesus said things about this woman that she'd never even maybe admitted to herself. In tenderness and love and patience and forgiveness and in relationship, he looks at her in her pain, knows everything about her, and loves her. And you guys... Jesus knows everything about you, everything that you've done and everything that you are, everything that you're going through, and loves you, doesn't shy away from you, moves towards you, isn't afraid of you, but yet is looking for relationship. And some of you right now, like the woman at the well, would say, if someone I'm close to, if my mom, if my dad, if my spouse, if my best friend, if my pastor knew everything about me, they would not love me. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning is this. Jesus knows everything about you. All your pain, all your hurts, everything that you've gone through, all your grief, all your loss, everything that is happening right now Jesus knows about and he moves towards you and he loves you oh that's the good news of the gospel if I was a more disciplined preacher with more experience I'd just quit right there Jess but I got to keep going because I've got to oh Jesus offers her himself so in John 4 where are my junior leaders at I want all every single junior leader to stand up every single fourth and fifth grader who is here in the building I want you to stand up For junior leaders what is the phrase, what is the two words that Jesus says again and again of John to remind himself, to reveal himself as a people of God? What are the two words on the count of three? Why you say it? One, two, three. I am. I am. Okay, you can sit down. Thank you, junior leaders. Our junior leaders have been going through this wonderful book called The I Am Saints of Jesus by Dr. Jess Middendorf, who happens to be here, and he's the dad of our pastor. He wrote this book about God revealing God's self in the gospel of John. And that's what God does in the person of Jesus through these seven I am statements and even that hidden I am statement of Jesus when we talk about living water. As God is allowing the people on earth to be understood as who is this man, this Christ is connected to the Yahweh statements of Jesus. Jesus reveals himself fully to this woman. He gives himself to her. And the instructions that he has of living water, and the instructions that he has for her when he reveals himself to her are full of relationship and beauty and extending of himself to someone who is so surprised that she would even be interacted with him in this encounter. And her life has changed. Her life is changed, and she goes to tell the world about it. Her life is changed, and then she is sent. But she's not even sent. She just goes. She leaves her jar right there and goes back into town. Her life is changed by an encounter with Jesus. And then a whole city's life is changed by an encounter with Jesus. As she goes to tell the story that this man knew nothing about me yet he told me everything i'd ever done and she goes to tell the story jesus does something pretty incredible in that moment there's a couple of different books that have helped me throughout the last few years one of them is this it's called what happened to you and a quick thesis of the book is this it's moving from when you don't understand why people act the way that they do in the world this book helps me to ask the question of that moment, what has happened to you rather than what's wrong with you? Can you see the difference between someone who you've othered, who you don't understand anything about their life? Can you see the difference between those two phrases? If I'm asking someone from Vail, I'm asking the question, what's wrong with you? But if I want to find out something about someone's life, a better question might be, What happened to you? Oh, I just happened to look at Margaret Murray in that moment. Someone who has asked people for the last 34 years, across from you in a couch or chair, what has happened to you? When you've othered someone beyond the ability to know that you can be in a relationship with them, oftentimes you're asking the wrong question when it comes to how they are in the world. And there's a a clip I want to show you. And Pastor John tried to show this clip a couple years ago, and it didn't work. And I thought maybe because the the, the series that it's involved in, there's lots of profanity in that series. And I thought maybe God didn't want the clip to be shown because He didn't want you to go out and watch that series. Now, I think you're going to have good discernment. There's more, there's more profanity in this series called Ted Lasso than I would hoped that there would be. The third season releases on Tuesday. Is anybody as excited as I am to watch Ted Lasso season three? It's okay. Um, there, there's this moment, and I want you to watch it. And I want you to think about your veil and the questions you ask of people who are different than you. We're going to pray that the Lord Jesus helps our sound and our video It's a work. If you want to pull those lights on a little bit, just want you to watch this about a minute and 30-second clip and see what you find. Hmm. Mate, what do I need to win? Two triple 20s and a
1: bonzo. (laughs) Good luck. Hmm. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day I was driving my little boy to school and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car and I'm driving to work and all of a sudden it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them are curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, and so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Because if they were curious, they would ask questions. You
0: know?
1: Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? (laughs) Which I would have answered... Yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to 16 when he passed away. Barbecue sauce.
0: Oh, man. If I was going to make you watch um, high school basketball clips, I also made you watch quite a few more of those clips as well. So, that line that he attributes to Walt Whitman be curious, not judgmental. Pastor John leaned into that a couple of years ago when he was going through this series about curiosity. And I, couldn't, I kept coming back to it all week long. We aren't oftentimes very curious about our enemies. We oftentimes find ourselves to be more judgmental. And I think Jesus shows us a way in that moment at the woman, with the woman at the well. He brings to her relationship good questions, conversation. Pastor Ken's reading a book right now that I didn't want to put it up on the screen because I've not finished it myself, but I've started reading it. You ask us as a staff to ask about our enemies. Think about your enemies. Ask what their favorite restaurant is and what their favorite meal is there because if you can make them just a little bit more human you might be able to be more curious about their life because guess what your enemies have a favorite restaurant with a favorite meal and if you can think about them as humans as people as potential people who are us rather than just them and so we started with basketball and we're going to end with basketball Something um, pretty special happened this week on, on Tuesday with, in the Dale Worcester game. Uh, Dale is incredible. My, my favorite team to watch this year, Kurt, I sure did like watching Jaden Dickens and Millwood, but he was hurt so much. The Dale team and the, the Forsyth kid really caught my attention. Dale, last night, won the 2A state crown in boys, and in the morning they won the crown for the girls. So they are one of the few teams that have won the same year the the state crown in both boys and girls. In the second quarter, Dale, being so good in the state quarterfinal game, they were up 40 points in the second quarter. That's how good Dale was this year, that he really didn't have much of a trouble and even beat 6A number one Edmund North, who won the title. Dale beat him, a little 2A school. And this game happened, and again, at the state tournament, TIF, there's no better explanation of us versus them than at the big house. Because at one side of the whole gym, you've got the other team, and on my side of the team, you've got my team with my colors. There's no better space to show us versus them. And then at this moment, when the last 30 seconds of the Worcester game, I wanted to show you that. I just get choked up every time I see it. Wister is down 41 points to Dale with about 30 seconds remaining. And Wister has emptied the bench, and this is the guy at the end of the end of the bench who gets in the game. Again, watch this. Us versus them becomes more than that in a moment. Check out this highlight from the state championship game and the quarterfinal game on Tuesday.
1: El Pirates will take on Pecola 7:30 Friday. Shot off the mark, rebound Wister, and coming up with a loose ball. Braden Gertis he shoots it. He can't get it to go. Gertis tries it again. Can't get it to go. Pass it back out to Gertis. Drives in. He can't get it to go. And then they're gonna try it again. Three pointer, Gertis. He goes. He got it! He got it! He got it! Ha ha! How about that? Great work right there by the Western Wildcats to give it to the junior. Ha ha! You gotta love it. Look at that. Pass back out to him. You gotta love it. Getting a three-pointer in the state tournament. Oh my, that's what it's all about right there, folks.
0: That's what it's all about right there, folks. Look at this. Look at his Worcester teammates. Y'all, they just lost by 38 points. (laughs) Look at the Worcester bench. But take a look at the kids from Dale. Number 14 from Dale is a kid at the end of the bench from Dale who made a three-pointer himself. He grabbed that rebound for the wrong team, and he threw it to number 11. Look at the joy of that photo. Ah, you guys! Did you see? He's pulling that bone arrow. He's shooting that bone arrow. <laughs> Look at the joy of that face. I get us versus them better than anybody. I still don't like people from Vail. And if Gene Bates, you're watching this right now, I, I love you with all my heart, but my goodness, sometimes it's hard to trust you. I hope Gene watches this someday. I get us versus them. You know us versus them. You have an us versus them right now in your heart. It has not been hard for you to find an enemy, an opposite, an irritant. You, have, you, you, know, the, you know who they are right now. For me, and this is hard to admit, but for me, I think I'm somewhat similar to our Jewish and Samaritan friends because my other oftentimes isn't people who are out there. It's the people who Christian the wrong way, according to me, right? I hate when John tells me that I have to get along with my enemies, that people who Christian the wrong way. He did it this week to me. Well, Jason, maybe you should extend friendship. No, John, I don't need that. What I need is for you to tell me that my way of doing it is the right way and their way of doing it is the wrong way, and yet... My pastor brings me back to say, "No, well, maybe you should extend grace and friendship with him. Well, I don't like that. And I don't like that I got this scripture to preach from this morning, for goodness sakes. Because you all know who the other is. You all know who your them is. And sometimes those them are people who you say, I have nothing in common with them. But guess what? You probably do. And they probably have a favorite meal at a favorite restaurant. And you might like it. I have a really hard time with people who Christian differently than I do. And I'm sorry. And I need to get better at extending grace and forgiveness and embrace for people who I so easily other. I have said about Christians. I have nothing in common with him. I have more in common with people who have never thought about Jesus than I do those Christians. Why do I keep talking? I keep indicting myself right now in front of the whole congregation. I should just stop talking. Because what Jesus does is he forgives us, and he calls us, and he transforms us, and he enters into grace with us, and he knows everything we've ever done and still loves us, and he invites us to a table. He doesn't draw lines and create borders he extends grace and invites you to a table. So, if you are one of those junior leaders helping this morning, would you come, and Pastor Kristen is going to distribute these elements, and we're going to come to a moment of of grace. And so, this is something we do each week, and if you are a guest here in the room, um, this is available to everybody. If you know that you need God in your life, we participate in an open table. You don't have to be necessarily a member, I'll say this because I'm not the senior pastor, you don't necessarily even have to be Christian. You just know that you need the grace and love of God because you may be transformed here. So let me pray as Christians able to distribute these elements and then we'll continue with our liturgy this morning. Jesus, we ask that you bless these elements and that you would transform them into the very means of grace for our transformation. That God, you would take this bread and take this cup. And that, God, that we would be transformed to love, transformed by you, and know that, God, that you know everything about us, and yet you extend your whole self to us, that we might worship in spirit and in truth and in relationship with you, that you give your whole self to us, and you've done that in the cross. And so, God, we ask that you would bless and transform these elements. Amen. In a few moments, you're going to be, have the opportunity to take Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, communion together with this morning. I'm going to ask you that when it's kind of time for your row, you'll kind of know when that time is. If you would stand and go to your left and come down, um, here you're going to have Kyle's going to be placing a piece of matzah cracker, tying us to that Old Testament story, that unleavened bread. And it's a gluten-free matzah bread for those of you who need that for your life. If you could please come down with open palms like this, receiving this as a gift, something that you cannot take or grab, but you've been invited to this moment. And then if you would then take that piece of matzo cracker and dip it, and Harley will be here, if you just dip it just a little bit, not all the way into your fingers. Did I get your name right, Harley? Good. Um, Dip that in there. And then partake of that bread. Sometimes those squares are a little bit big in this kind of continuing to be this kind of COVID area to make sure no one dips their fingers in there. So if you need to finish that piece of um, cracker on the way back to your seat, that's okay. And then you can do whatever you like. This is a place for you to pray. We have called these altars. And then there's these healing benches we have as well. Something that we want to keep saying, if you, because of your health, need to sit on that bench rather than kneel at that bench, that's very appropriate. And someone will come and sit beside you or kneel with you and pray with you. Um, and then, oh, living water. If you've been baptized, and even if you haven't, this, this little bowl here is to remind you, to jolt you, to remember what God has done in your baptism, created a new creation, a new life, and that you will remember that baptism and then be commissioned to a way of life that embodies that baptism for the world like living water. And so, if you would like this to be something due to health, COVID, the flu, whatever you need in your life, there's also these little prepackaged communion cups. They're going to be at each entrance, and especially in the back, back there by Casey. If you would like that, rather than this experience here, you can have that as well. We believe God loves it all. But I think most of all, God loves this moment, which You're invited to, no matter who you are or what you've done, to be loved by God. And the other incredible thing about the Eucharist is that as we take this meal together, we are saying, we are all one body. All the differences that we have, all the different ways we go about being and following Jesus, it's in this moment every week where we say, you know what? We may have a ton of differences. But you know what? Jesus brings us together in unity to be one it's a miracle every week you get invited to relationship and then you get invited to be in relationship with everybody so on the night that he was betrayed jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying take and eat do this in remembrance of me and on that same night he took the cup and after giving thanks he redefined it as the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins oh and he says, take and drink in remembrance of me. And so, Jesus, we thank you for the invitation and for the opportunity to be transformed into your body as one body of Christ. So, Jesus, bless these moments. and transforms our lives by your grace and this meal that you've invited us to. In your name we pray. Amen. And now when it's your time, when this time comes for your row, you can please stand and come forward. And we'll continue our service and prayers in a moment, but you are invited to the table.